Well, good evening, everybody. This is Apostle Dr. Danette Vershay of Treasures of the Heart International Ministries, and I am excited on this evening about what this lesson is about, and this is the Church of God in Christ International Sunday School lesson and Bible study. And this this lesson is targeted for those that are not holding the traditional Bible study or Sunday school. And so this Wednesday night, this Wednesday night study is to help you meet those obligations of what it is the requirement is for the reformation and or for your church and or your jurisdiction and for the church of God in Christ. And we thank thank Bishop Blake for being who he is as a great leader and our president of the Church of God in Christ International Sunday School Department, which is Bishop Alton Gatlin, and our field representative of the International Sunday School Department is Mother Cleolia Penix. And Superintendent Brown, I love you. And Waynell Henson, I love you for giving me this opportunity and platform to share with the body of Christ, but also with the state of North Carolina um, for those that, that are lacking and that we can meet their needs as a Sunday school department and also win lost souls for Christ and help some be restored. I want to give uh, give a shout-out to uh, Greater North Carolina Jurisdiction, should you be on the line, uh, for Virginia, for Los Angeles, that's on the line, which is in California. We've got Maryland. We've got a lot of people that are tapping in and that are listening to these Sunday school lessons. And a shout-out to those instructors that are in the state of North Carolina for the Church of God in Christ International Sunday School Department within your respective churches and jurisdictions. And a shout-out to Upper Room Church of God in Christ up in Raleigh, North Carolina. And so, I, I, again, I thank God on this evening. We have an awesome lesson. Things are going to shift just a little bit on this evening, and the call is earlier than what it is deemed necessary to be because I do have an engagement. And so with that being said, I also had a um, request that, again, we meet the needs of our youth and at the same time uh, meeting the needs of, of, our, of our elders. So I am going to overview um, the youth lesson, and then dive right into where it is we do go into. In our junior high book, we go into what the adult lesson is. So it gives them an understanding of how to study, but we're also able to break to break the Word of God down with with their lesson, and it introduces them to another way of study. But in this overview, they're going to understand who Micah is. They're going to understand why why God pronounces this judgment uh, on the leaders and the prophets of Judah, and our children need to understand at an early age. And that is why I so love the Church of God in Christ, our Sunday school department, because we meet the needs of every level, and at least we try to meet the needs of every level. And because of that, our lessons are tailored to the needs that are current and that are up to date. And when I get that type of request, I have to issue that type of, of teaching and leadership as being a youth pastor for years, 
and then being an advisor to other leaders and to youth pastors. And so I work a lot with the youth, and um, I, I really thank God for the opportunity to do so. Um, let's start with a word of prayer, and let's dive into this. And, and this evening I actually have my 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 daughter is with me on this evening, my, my youngest daughter, my 16-year-old. So she's here tonight uh, listening to the Sunday school lesson as uh, – as it may even generate dialogue. She might raise her hand if she has a question. You may not see that hand raised, but she's here. And if she pauses me, I will explain what it is that uh, that I'm trying to convey. If she does not understand out of our, our youth lesson, she is at a, at a high school level. So I, I do believe that this lesson is also going to be broken down enough for her to understand. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you. I give you glory and I give you honor on this evening. But, Father, I thank you for allowing me to come in and and give this lesson to the youth and to the adults because we are studying we are studying about the prophets, Lord, and the corruption of prophets. But, Lord, this lesson is about no tolerance. But, Father, we know that the end is coming. But, Lord, we know that you are already present. We know that you are already here. And, Father, I ask that you show up on this evening. But, Father, I ask that I decrease and that the spirit of the living God increase in this place. But, Father, as there will be no tolerance, but, Lord, as Micah announces it, but, Lord, that it is relevant to this day. But, Lord, allow me to seize the assignment of the enemy on today. Allow me to understand that this is going to be the breaker that is going to come upon them and those that are teaching opposite of what it is that you have called to be so in your holy word. For, Lord, show up and show out on today. And, Lord, that let someone play this message back as we move forward in all things in you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, now as we're studying this lesson, in the youth study it is entitled, which is entitled No Tolerance, which is Lesson 6. And in the Bible truth, it is no tolerance for corrupt leaders and prophets. The Bible basis is Micah 5, Micah chapter 3, 5 through through 12. The memory verses are Micah 3 and 8. But truly I am full of power by the Spirit of the Lord and of judgment and of might, to declare unto Jacob his transgression and to Israel his sin. The le- our lesson aim is that we want the, the children to understand that by the end of this lesson that they'll be understand what the knowledge is, that is exploring how Micah confronted the corrupt leaders, uh, the attitude which reflects on the reactions to to leaders who mislead and deceive people, and then the action which addresses the corruption and leadership with the church and the broader community. Now, here of what had to happen in in the preparation and what our target is for this lesson is, is understanding that when Micah announces the Lord's judgment on the leaders and the prophets of Judah, this is where the leaders are practicing an injustice. And the prophets, they begin to tell lies, instead we call them prophet lies and prophet liars, because they begin to tell lies and and cause people to 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 
you know, enter into wrongdoings, into sin, and, and not understanding that the Lord will bring judgment on his people. The people that God has chosen to be his chosen disciples are the ones that God is going to bring judgment on for their sin. A sinner is a sinner. So judgment, that judgment is not being brought upon the, the, the sinners. This is being brought upon the believers, the saints that know better. Because he already knows a sinner is a sinner and that their heart has not been won, their soul has not been won to him. So he understands that. But the misunderstanding is the fact that here it is, these are my people. My people are committing wrongdoings. And so here in, in our open lessons, this is where... You know, we, we want to understand that, you know, name, naming good leaders who we know. And I, as adults, we can name three good leaders who we know beyond a shadow of a doubt can present the gospel, live the gospel, walk the gospel, and still win souls to Christ. A good leader just not just doesn't stay in the pulpit and preaches on Sunday. A good leader still evangelizes, regardless of how mega they may be. They still win lost souls to Christ. They can still walk in that great commission of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And, you'll, and, and you know their characteristics. You know what, what their integrity and what the dignity, dignity is. So in, in that, as we begin to process this lesson of no tolerance, this is where in our story for the youth it is dealing with uh, using the money, using money from an early candy drive, and, um, and and as it states, you know, to buy gold and diamond rings. This is what it, what is being explained of what they saw and whispered. That's what Pastor Jeremiah on, said on his cell phone. And so Caleb had stood right outside the partially open door, and he he came by for a friendly chit chat. And, but he couldn't believe that he was, what he was overhearing, that the youth department had worked really hard to raise monies for the upcoming missionary trip to Trinidad. And then he said, yes, I, I said, use that money, Pastor Jeremiah said angrily. And he said, I don't care how much I've taken so far. And then Caleb was in shock, and was this the same was was this the same man that Caleb had admired so much? Was this the same man that he admired? How he taught the word of God? How how the youth groups understood what Pastor Jeremiah was talking about? And Caleb was shocked, and some of us get real shocked that when we hear what our leaders are doing. We've heard what our leaders have done, and we are still hearing what other leaders are doing. And that he had admired how he had reached out personally to the young people. And then he admired his ideas and dreams and had almost everything, everything about Pastor Jeremiah. Now, understanding that our young people, they look to us, and they look to us to walk the walk in which we are talking. And when they run up on us or see us out in the street somewhere and we're acting a fool or we, they're sitting across from us in the restaurant and their back is to us, your back is to them, and they hear you, my God, you never know who's watching. You never know who's looking. And so now... 
Now, get that gold diamond, get that gold diamond ring as quickly as possible, Pastor Jeremiah said. And he said, I need it to go with the new custom-made suit I'm wearing on Sunday, Pastor, Maya, Pastor Jeremiah said, before he hung up the phone. My God, this story sounds familiar, and I think that in our adult lessons, we need to accompany these youth stories because they ring true to what it is that we have experienced in church. And so Caleb stood there in unbelief, and he said just yesterday, Pastor Jeremiah had told the youth group about the wonderful opportunity that was going to be a blessing to the less fortunate in another country. And so then they had, they had several places that they had to choose from and eventually had picked Trinidad. And then the, the youth had, they washed cars and they solicited sponsors and, and they sold cookies and candy. And in the end, they raised $5,000. That's a lot of money to a youth group. Isn't that right, Jewel? Isn't that right? Do you think that, that $5,000 is a whole lot to what you all have done? As, as youth, and you don't wash cars and sold candy and, and ask people to sponsor you, and you raise a lot of money of $5,000, and you run up on a pastor and you hear him talking about get me that shoes and that ring because I bought me a new suit because he want to be blinged out. You think that's right or wrong? You think he was, he was right or wrong? He was wrong? How does that make you feel? It makes you feel you shaking your head like, wow, that's a cold piece of work, huh? It is, huh? So, and that's that's from a, a youth that's sitting here in the midst of in the midst of this lesson. And so, what 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 Caleb what he did overheard it lingered. He said it lingered in his mind for a long time after after he left the parish office. And, and Caleb thought long and hard, and he had to ask himself several times whether he should tell someone or not. What would you do? Would you tell? Would you be a sellout? I, I'm just saying, you worked hard for that money. Would you be a sellout and, and, and go tell? Or would you sit and think about it and ask somebody else, what should you do? You think you would tell? That would be a good thing to do. Yeah, yeah. So so now we see that so now a few days have passed and then he had shared the incident with his parents and who decided to tell the senior pastor. So he went to a he went to adults, he didn't go to his friends, he went to his he went to adults and he left it to them to now convey it. So now the senior pastor has said he had no tolerance for dishonest leaders. Mm. Imagine that. And then an investigation revealed that this, an investigation had revealed that this was not the first time that Pastor Jeremiah had stolen money. Whoa, you mean to tell me that he was a railer? You mean to, he's a, he was, he was like an extortioner, the inside extortioner. And so, now, here we see that in this lesson, I mean, how do you how do you think that uh, how do you think God felt about a co- that corrupt leader? How do you think God felt? You think that hammer should have flew, huh? Yeah. I think it should have it should have flew his head. Yeah, exactly. 
in the Holy Ghost, that's what God does in the spirit. God begins to chastise. He begins to, to place judgment on leaders that are corrupt like this. Because as young people, you all sit and watch what we do. And if our walk and our talk is not the same, we one way at church and then we come home and we another way, you know, you just can't set trip like that. You know, the hypocrite, fronting, perpetrating, you know, the words we use that that begin to challenge other people because as as youth, you don't want to grow up and God calls you to ministry and then you follow the lead of a corrupt leader. And so you make everybody else continue to, to continue the lie when we when we hide it. So in this, as we understand what our in our memory verse, and it, it is understanding that in our memory verse it is it is you know Micah three and eight, and this is where they co- cover their lips and and they'll be put to shame and and they'll show their shame open, openly by covering their lips, which was that oriental gesture that indicates shame and mourning. You know how you cover your like, oh, my God, and you're covering your lips. This is what this, is what this, this means. And, and so in the no tolerance for the corrupt leader, understanding that how do we stop the wrong leaders, uh, you know, the students and you're being a youth and understanding how to stay strong under a corrupt leader, what do you do? So we see that S stands for staying strong when you see a wrong leader. And T is tell the truth when you see wrong. And O is open your ears. And then we see that P is pray for the leader who has done wrong. But knowing that God will judge, knowing that the son the son shall go down over the prophets, and that there shall Zion for your sake be plowed as a field. And knowing that the prophets that make my people err, that bite their teeth and cry peace. And then the heads thereof judge for reward, and priests thereof teach for hire. And so we've got to be mindful that we understand what a corrupt leader is, and what a good leader is. And so when we understand the difference between what a good leader is and what a corrupt leader is, now we can identify those qualities. We can see who's good and who's bad. We can see we can see literally that who is really following what it is that God requires. What it is that that they took an oath to not do, but instead they're doing the opposite. So it causes it, it will cause you to be confused at times as as a youth, uh, as far as well, what do I do? Because that's the leader. You don't want to feel rejected because you told on them, so then they blacklist you. You don't want you don't want to do that. So in, in being young, you don't you just you want to abide by what it is that your elders are saying to you, but then again, when you see them doing wrong, that crushes you because you're a young Christian. You're a young believer. 
And so the last thing you want to do is have that type of stress on you. So what Caleb did was tell. He told an adult so the adults could deal with it above where the leader was. Above where that particular pastor was, they went to his pastor. And so um, I thank God. I thank God for that action because knowing that, you know, in our society that it is, as I stated, filled with leaders who are corrupt and they deceive those who trust them. And you know, they they've been entrusted with with the faith of those who follow them, and there's nothing to take for granted. So in today's story, this is where we see that there's no tolerance that Caleb trusted and re- and he respected that youth pastor who was revealed to be stealing money for himself. He had been stealing before. They gave him an opportunity. He repented. They forgave him, and he turned around and did the same, not knowing who was around. We never know who's watching. We never know who's around. So for adults, I, I unction you on today that you need you you need to be mindful as leaders what you say, as leaders of what you do and what you expose your children to. There's a lot of exposing of the wrong things that are taking place in and out of the Reformation. There's a lot taking place within the Reformation, and our kids, unfortunately, are being the ones that are being that are truly being perpetrated because they don't want to tell, so they think it's right. And because they don't want to tell, they think it's they think it's right that it causes them to stress. It causes them to not be able to be honest with with the adults that are in their lives, not understanding that God will judge and punish corrupt leaders and prophets. And if your people are sitting underneath you and they know that you are corrupt, the children have no idea, the youth have no idea that their soul is in jeopardy because they know about it and they're not saying anything. And so here here we see in, in the deception and as we just overview in in a in a different way for our adult lesson. We understand that in Micah three in Micah three and five, this is where uh the indictment of the prophets take place. We understand that the upper class of Judah they were supported in their ruthless schemes by the ministerial association, which is what we saw in reference to Micah chapter 2, uh, 6 through 11. And this is where Micah had a word of Yahweh for the prophets. This is the false prophets. So here, when we see this mandate, the prophets were, were men that were called by God to communicate that divine will for his people in for specific situations. And so in every generation, this is where, however, we see that men across that men had across the nation and men had arose who claimed this calling, but their message encouraged evil and then it contradicted the ancient scriptures that were had been written and that Micah had made four charges against the prophets of his day. Adults, hear me now, that the first one, the first one was the prophets 
were they were they were causing my people to go astray. And how dare the men in the name of God misdirect my people. And then God's people, Micah's blast against other prophets was not based on a professional jealousy, but on the man's compassion for those who who had had been led and had been misguided. And then secondly, the prophets were accused of selfish expediency. And then they were biting with their teeth. And one could purchase a tailor-made, a, a, a tailor-made uh, oracle with promises of wine and, and dine the prophet. We know how that is. They get wine and dined, and then money moves them. And so they speak what they think they want to hear. And then their God, little G, was their belly. And so what went into the mouths determined what came out of their mouth. And then thirdly, the message of the prophets, it was always peace, shalom. The word means total well-being, understanding that everything will be all right. And they were optimistic to the core. And now here we see that no message of condemnation came from their lips. And that no call for repentance was done. And then like their latter, like their latter counterparts, hear me now, that they cried peace and peace when there is no peace. And you can reference Jeremiah 6 and 14, understanding that on the fourth charge was it was against who refused to offer a who refused to offer a bribe, and then the prophets would prepare war. And then in the powerful figure and, and picture, and I also, you know, often say a spiritual commercial where you can take one and, and, and you can figure the, the powerful figure for persecution. You can see that, that they would declare God's wrath on the non-cooperative. If you didn't agree with what was going on, then wrath was going to come on you to make you go ahead and pour into them so now they could speak a right word to you, shalom, and or peace, peace but they would declare war on you if you weren't following the crowd. And then they would stir up hatred toward those who disagreed with their Pollyanna preaching. If you're going to Pollyanna preach and everybody's going to follow what you're saying, I don't have to follow you. You don't have to like me. I have to follow the word of God. And so if Pollyanna preaching is what you want to do so it brings in the money, and if you want to profess to be the prophet of God, then you better do as God has required and commanded a prophet of God to do, lest you be called a false prophet. And so those who ooze love and libertality would often stop at nothing to silence the mouths of those who disagree with their viewpoint. And corrupt leaders in some way will, when you know that someone is gifted, someone is anointed, and that they know the word of God, and when you step outside of the word of God with them, they will try to silence you because they know that they have stepped outside the the will of God and the word of God with you. And so they'll make it seem like you're an issue, like you're a problem. 
but yet it's the cover-up of what it is that has taken place. So I unction you, men and women of God, don't let somebody silence you because you disagree with their viewpoint. If their viewpoint is not what God desires for us to hear, as men and women of God, you've got to choose who you're going to serve, the little G or the big G. Understanding that in this announcement of judgment, that the judgment against the perverted prophets, this is introduced with a therefore. And so in this, those who had abused their prophetic gifts would be deprived of them. God will snatch them. So now we now when we, we move into this, we understand that Micah begins to stress the four times in in Micah 3 and 6, the darkness of the coming day in Amos 5 and 18, and then the future was not shalom and peace. It was disaster loomed on the horizon. The ministerial association would not escape. The sun shall go down upon the prophets as an order. They would cease to exist. And reference Zechariah 13, 2 and 5. So knowing that in this process that when we move into Micah 3 and 7, this is where we see that, you know, the, the prophets, how they coped in that day with, with that day of disaster, that the seers shall be ashamed, that the term seer, that's that ancient title for a prophet in First Samuel 9 and 9, we see that the title here, it was based on the practice of, of, of the acquiring oracles by means of visions, that the seers who had published visions of shalom would be totally discredited by events, and that the, 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 the diviners, the word has that pejorative sense, which we see would be confused. And in that confusion, we see that as God had hid his face from them, so they would cover their lips in shame, as we stated in the youth, in the youth lesson. So here we see that they would have nothing to say, or there is no answer from God to their prayers for help in Micah 3 and 7. But then shall the seers be ashamed and the diviners confounded, yea, they shall all cover their lips, for there is no answer of God. So here we see where Micah begins to state the credentials in Micah 3 and 8. And following his announcement of the discrediting of the prophets, this is where Micah presents his credentials. And he says, but I, on the other hand, and am filled. So the Hebrew, the Hebrew expresses this forcibly. So it's the contrast between Micah and the false prophets. So now Micah mentions four things with which he had been filled. Because first, Micah was filled with the power. Second, Micah was filled with the spirit of Yahweh. And then thirdly, Micah was filled with judgment or justice. And then, fourth, Micah was filled with might. And then the divine infusion of knowledge and wisdom and power had enabled Micah to declare to Jacob his transgressions and to Israel his sin. And so here, in the combination of the words of transgression, sin has already appeared 
which was in 1 and 5, as the reason for the coming of Yahweh in judgment. And now here we see that the combination of Jacob, Israel, has, has already appeared in 3.1. So now it, and now it's declaring the transgression and the sin that involves both the denouncing of the conduct and the announcing of judgment that is upon it. And in this we see that by no preaching, Micah, had courted danger and then and death from the the his contemporaries in in three eight. So now here as well we see a major focus of that pronouncement, that second pronouncement on that was against the rulers in Micah three, nine through twelve. The word of God says that hear this, I pray ye heads of the house of Jacob and princes of the house of Israel that abhor judgment and pervert all equity. They build up Zion with blood and Jerusalem with iniquity. The heads thereof judge for reward, and the priests thereof teach for hire, and the prophets thereof divine for money. Yet will they lean upon the Lord and say, Is not the Lord among us? None evil can come upon us. Therefore shall Zion for your sake be plowed as a field, and Jerusalem shall become heaps, and the mountain of the house as the high places of the forest. My God. So now here it is again. Micah called upon the heads of the house of Jacob and the rulers of the house of Israel to hear his words. And so now there are the same leaders to whom in 3, 1 through 4 is their address. So here we see the combination Jacob-Israel. That's a way of saying all of Israel. So now at this time, at, at this time, that all that was left of Israel was Judah. And this is the southern kingdom. And by challenging the powerful rulers and condemning their conduct, Micah was demonstrating the courage which he had just professed in the preceding verses. And now here we see that general indictment here in verses in, in Micah 3, 9 through 10, which both in an attitude and actions of the, the rulers of Judah had failed in their responsibility to be the guardians of justice. So now we see a disposition. And in the disposition of the leaders in 3, 9, this is where the rulers, the rulers of Judah had regarded justice, mishap of a loathsome and the 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 uh, abominable. So now this the attitude that they had demonstrated in their judicial judicial decisions. And so through his law, through his law, Yahweh had established norms for protecting the rights of the powerless in the disputes over life and property. And now we see that those norms had been despised and therefore disregarded. We're seeing that the, the corrupt leaders, that the poor, and those that, cannot, that are less fortunate, that they were supposed to be protectors of them. But now we find that, that the leaders twist everything so, it, so it, it will be upright for them. So now we see the deeds of the rulers in 310. 
and I'm moving expeditiously only to cover the lesson but to be prepared for where I need to be. And so now the prophet from the village of Moresheth was not interested in the architectural splendor of Jerusalem. He was only in the powers that be in Jerusalem that build up Zion with blood. The experience could be taken physically and metaphorically. So we understand that that the 18th century building boom in Judah at that time had rested upon the foundation of the sweet the toil and even the blood of the lower classes, knowing that the innocent blood was the mortar which held together the walls of their places of their, their places of the hewn stone. And on the other hand, that Micah may be saying that the reputation of Jerusalem among the nations of that time had been built up by the ungodly means. And they had put Jerusalem on the map by bloody crimes and gangsterism. Mm, mm, mm. That's a heck of a way for that to be described. Understanding that what was true of the temple area in Zion was also true of of the residential areas in Jerusalem, and that they were built up with iniquity, that little people were crushed through evictions and confiscations of property, and that they were forced they were forced labor and the like, and the rich got riches, got richer by the unscrupulous and inhumane oppression of the weak. Hear me now that this was urban renewal with a vengeance, that the blood of the innocent that was slayed, had cried out to heaven for the justice so loudly that the Lord could no longer hear the hymns and the prayers that were rising from the temple mount. So here we see in 311, we see another indictment, and this one is even more specific because Jerusalem had was dominated by a tyrannical, Triuma right of rulers and priests and prophets, understanding that each group was controlled by by greed. First, that her her heads judge for reward. The rulers took bribe. Mm. The leaders took bribes. Mm, mm, mm. They took bribe. So now we see for a price the legal edicts were stamped with satisfaction guaranteed and that they knew no higher ambition than silver. They were completely money mad. Now hear me. Secondly, her priests teach the higher. This is the, this is the only mention of the priests in Micah that the teaching is probably the rendering of the legal decision as we see in Malachi 2 and 7. So then the priests were no doubt understanding lacks in enforcing the moral standards of conditions of admissions to the temple rituals. So here, thirdly, her prophets divine for silver. This is the religious leaders had both the wrong methods and the wrong motives, that their methods were borrowed from pagan neighbors, understanding that the divination had involved the use of the external objects in the attempt to predict the future, knowing that in this that the law had strongly condemned the use of all such pagan paraphernalia. In Deuteronomy 18, 9 through 13, 
understanding that as to the motives, the prophets were not different than the rulers or the priests. Their God, with a little g, was, the, was their pocketbook. So now we see that all the while the leaders had fleeced the people, that they leaned upon Yahweh, and that they were actually looking to the Lord to undergird the corrupt system, understanding that the term lean, shine, was it's in part of the vocabulary of faith that it is used, for example, for the depending on the divine in a military situation, as we see in Second Chronicles 13 and 8. Their motto was, in God we trust. Religion was for them a security blanket. They hid behind the religion. And then a rhetorical question is expressed, expressed the grounds upon which the criminals in Zion had built their shaky faith. And so now, is not Yahweh in our midst? This is the temple was on the prominent hill within the city. The ark of God was in the holy of holies of that temple, knowing that that was proof enough that Yahweh was in the midst that Israel was his chosen nation and that he had obligations, he had obligations to defend and protect them from enemies. Therefore, evil shall not come against us. So Micah had now announced again that God, in fact, had decreed evil, Ra'ah, that is against Jerusalem in 2 and 3. So here it is a direct response to that announcement. So now we see that with what they considered in irrefutable logic that they argued that evil, disaster, could not come upon them since Yahweh himself was in their midst, understanding that the miraculous rescue of Jerusalem from Sennacherib in 701 B.C. may have fueled the false theology, understanding that the fallacy of their argument is, is, is that when people abandon God, it's no longer in the midst, in Micah 3.11. So now, as we near the end of our lesson and we see that announcement of judgment and in, in this complete overview, we get a summation of what took place because, again, the word, again, the word therefore introduced the word of judgment and on the account of the rulers and saying that Zion shall be plowed as a field, that Zion was the most sacred section of Jerusalem, men and women of God, that those who built up Zion by unscrupulous means were those who were, who were responsible for the demise of the city. Hear me now, that those pastors, the pastors now that are building and erecting edifices, that are building up their ministries, that are building up their churches, understand that if it is built on unscrupulous means and if it is built on fallacy and lies and the prostitution of the people, understand that God is going to bring disaster. God is going to bring wrath and evil upon that sanctuary. And all who are in it that know better, you have taken part in the corruption. And you need to shake the dust from your feet because don't enter the building. Because when God cracks the sky, you're going to be caught in the mist. And that is where I don't want to be. Check yourself right now. There is no tolerance for corrupt leaders and 
prophets. So don't claim to be a prophet. Don't claim to be sent by God. Don't claim to be a seer and you are acting on and doing unscrupulous things to the poor and the needy and the less fortunate, and you only associate with those of like-mindedness that have what you have. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching up in here. Let me slow down. So now the plowing of Zion would be by, by the engines of war, knowing that no agent of this disaster is here named that, never, that nonetheless that those who plowed Zion would be functioning as God's demolition crew. And I stand to be part of God's demolition crew. And that is why the exposing is taking place, because the remnants of God are standing up and saying, no, we don't to- no tolerance for corrupt leaders and prophets, and they're being exposed with no gossip. There's no gossip. All you need to do is pray and ask God to shake heaven to cause earth to bow down and to worship him. Declare and decree and to speak it in existence and watch the manifestation of God's hand rest upon that prayer. My God. So hear me now that the disaster would lead Jerusalem in heaps. Understand total ruins. Nothing but a pile of rubble. Understand today that you may it may not crumble physically, but inside it's warped. Inside it's a different feel. Inside it's a different vibe. The preaching is based on commentary. The preaching is based on a sermon written by somebody else. Or you took a piece from here, a piece from there. So when you get up to preach, you don't understand the notes or how how they should flow because you didn't write it. So all you need to do is read it. And because you know you can hoop and get a holler on and get some music playing for you, if any, that it will move the people. That's a fallacy. That's falseness. That's a lie. That's a perpetrator. That's a plagiarizer. Total ruin. God's bringing the house down. He's already here. It's all it's already happening. He's revealing now. No tolerance for corrupt leaders and prophets stop claiming to be one. So now the disaster will leave Jerusalem in those heaps, men and women of God. The temple could not guarantee their safety for the sacred mount would become as the high place of a forest. That means overgrown with thorns and brambles. Overgrown with big mouths. Overgrown with big egos and arrogance. The announcement of judgment is a direct rebuke to the false theology which was so firmly entrenched in Judah in the 8th and 7th century. Understanding that in, in challenging the, the unchallengeable tenets of popular theology. Micah was again demonstrating that courageous manliness with which God had endowed him in Micah 3 and 8. Hear me now that, that in the interesting sidelight to all of this and on the prophecy is found in Jeremiah 26 and 18 that the prophet Jeremiah was on trial for his life for daring publicly to preach that God was about to destroy Jerusalem, that in his defense the elders cited verbatim this prophecy from Micah. 
So they had noted that King Hezekiah did not execute Micah for preaching much the same thing as Jeremiah. So we have to understand, men and women of God, that if you are a true prophet, if you are a true prophet of God, be called and sent by God. Because if you are a true prophet, there will be a distinction from a false prophet, understanding that man, God calls you, man, God equips the man or woman of God to confirm, and that comes through an, a, a, a succession of what has been tried and true. There's no class you can take to learn to become a prophet of God. This is what we are trying to get you to understand. But there is an activation, there is a process of nurturing that gift as a seer. And God equips those of us who have been trained not just not not just by the Holy Ghost, by directly by 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 God understanding, but other men and women of God that's been called to this office that sits and that confirms your it's that confirms your gift, that confirms your accuracy, understanding that when we preach and teach, it moves into a prophetic mode of you begin to prophesy. You, but that is foretelling and foretelling, understanding, you exhort. But that is after you have taught, after you have preached, you are not the pastor at the same time that you are the teacher. You're not the teacher and the prophet at the same time. God moves you to a succession of elevation in him. And then it that's it. Just because you exhort and you may prophesy doesn't mean you walk in the gift, in the you have the gift of prophecy, but it also doesn't mean you walk in the office of a prophet. But understanding God is giving us all a portion to speak what thus saith the Lord. But the office of a prophet is a responsible office. The office of the prophet is an apostolic office that has been given to the body of Christ as a gift. My God. And as that gift is nurtured, as God begins to pour into that man or woman of God, that God is speaking, speaking directly to them. How dare you speak against them because they don't agree with you. A prophet of God is not going to agree with the world. A prophet of God is not going to agree with what your earthly understanding is. It's a supernatural understanding. It's a supernatural delivery of what God's mouthpiece can do. And if you don't understand, then you've got to get you've got to get informed because the mantle is getting ready to crack and the and God is getting ready to crack the sky and you are going to get saved in your own pulpit. My God, understanding that when you are full of power, co-op by the Spirit of the Lord, it's also full of judgment as well. So when you understand what it is that God is saying, it's not only the rulers and the chiefs of justice, the people who claim to be men and women of God and prophets of God are perverting the gospel for money, for show. And you're still seeing the same repetitive revolving door of the same saints that come just to hear you and see you either prophesy, because then they talk about you after service, or they run up and, and they're, 
they're, they're so far up in your behind, for lack of a better word, excuse me, that they don't have a ministry themselves and their relationship with God is based on the anointing that God has given you. And so they go in turn and misinterpret the anointing and the verbiage in which it is that you preach. And because they are still babes sipping on milk, they go and misinterpret and misread and misguide others because at some point as a leader you've become misguided and they've held your secret. And God is saying, enough is enough, because now it's a personalization of the accusations against Judah. Now, in the name of religion and sacrifice to God, this is where the people have erected the buildings and have become even more deceitful and become even more perverse. And instead of using the tithes and offering to establish the place of worship and to pay the bills, you drain the people, the religious leaders, you take from the poor, and in some instances you will kill spirits in the people to expand what you need. And say that God said that you were expanding, that he expanded my territory. He enlarged my territory. He broadened my territory. So we know the devil to be a liar because you are oppressing the people. Because you've got a problem with spending. We don't see any other, there's no erection happening outside of what might be personally on your person. But all I'm saying is and is that these are things that are taking place in the body of Christ, that we have come perverse in the body of Christ for money, for bribes, for fame, for fortune, for being the one, for being who we were looking at, being who, for what show you on, what game you going to win. What millions you, they're going to deposit? What are you doing? You are prostituting your people. What system are you using? Are you using it right or are you not using it right? Do you know us? So all I'm saying is, is that God is getting, God is, he's already cracked the sky. He's, he's already here. And even more judgment and wrath is coming That your praise has become corrupted. Your worship has come perverted. The musicians, it's now for show. But God is coming in with the, the coming in and he's, the, the craftsness of the leaders will result in the leveling of Jerusalem and its temple. The craftsness of leaders is going to cause the leveling of your ministry. Understanding, enough is enough. And based on Micah's prophecy, we've got to see what was the source of the motivation. What was the source of it? It wasn't a big G, it was a little G for sure. So men and women of God understand that it can be very hard. It can be very hard and difficult to speak against leadership at any level, but understanding that some people naturally believe that if someone has been given a title or responsibility, that they have integrity and will maintain the best interests of the people they represent. But however, understand that the Bible and life has, has been provided us with many examples of leaders who have ill intentions that succumb to temptation and that take advantage of their position. 
and as children of God, our instructions are simple. Do justice, love, kindness, and walk humbly with our God. Micah 6 and 8. So understand, every group that we are members of, our country and civic organizations, religious institutions or sororities or fraternities should follow the same statute. Civic organizations. This is in our Church of God in Christ lesson that is letting us know civic organizations, religious institutions, or sorority or fraternity should follow the same statutes. So I unction you that after you read through this lesson and you become prepared for Sunday, that you understand you, under, you understand that what do we do as Christians if we suspect that political corruption in the church? You have to begin to dialogue about it, not just talk about it, but you have to be about it, and you need to turn them suckers in. It's what needs to happen, and, and how we respond and how we confront the leaders and how we... You know, some people withhold votes and, and or, or cooperation with the unjust policies and practices. And with this in mind, you've got to consider your own community and whether the response is needed. You have to you have to gauge your response, but you also have to be wise in your confrontation. And the confrontation is not in gossip. The confrontation is is in mature discussion to wherever it is whomever it is that leader is placed under, whoever it is that that leader reports to. Make sure that that leader is not corrupted and that leader is not, uh, make sure that that leader is going, to, is going to issue that disciplinary action or issue an investigation as in this case. And in, as we saw in the youth lesson, the investigation was before and it proved positive, and now another one was issued and it proved positive. But it's okay to serve God, and it's okay to be honest, because holiness and righteousness is right, and this is what God is requiring us to do. So we've got the poor that are struggling and the rich are getting richer, and God is saying enough is enough. Dear Heavenly Father, we praise you. We pray for all the leaders. Lord, we pray that they will do what you have called them to do. Protect us from the leaders who want to harm us. Lord, give us the courage and the wisdom to challenge unjust leadership in, in, in the body of Christ. But, Father God, we ask that right now for your safety, that, Lord, that we ask that the Lorders, that the that the, the hoarders, Lord, and the whoremongers, and those that are taking the money, those that are getting richer off of the men and women of God, those that are putting money back into the church only to show that they're making an, an offering or a contribution, and then they get the money back. This is a current situation, Lord, that's taking place. But Lord, I thank you and I praise you right now for revealing the conduct, and Lord, for the, the revealing the the dignity and the lack of character and the lack thereof of dignity and integrity, that, Lord, that we obtain support in investigating these leaders, that, Lord, that we obtain support from on high, but, Lord, that you will come in and, Lord, that you will prick their heart and bring them to a point of, 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 of repentance, but, Lord, that end their transgressions will, will not be overlooked, that, Lord, that we know that, 
when Micah begins to state the charges, that, Lord, that these these are the implications of what are happening in this day. But, Father God, I ask right now that you open up the heavens, and, Lord, that you remember that centuries before that there was a people of Israel that had did the same thing, and that, Lord, that biblically you showed your wrath, you showed your judgment, and let the leaders of today know that your same wrath and your same judgment exists and that you are here to judge, that, Lord, that the seals have been cracked, and, Lord, that we have been able to peek in, and, Lord, that consequently that they have been opened, and, Lord, that we bring a word of wisdom, we bring a word of knowledge, but we also bring a word that is going to happen with destruction insight, exposing and revealing that which has been in the books that have been written that have written, been written unjustly for the people and unjustly stated. But, Father God, that the actions upon them that do not believe your full word in its totality, that, Lord, walk in, we walk in your counsel, that, Lord, we hear your voice, and, Lord, that you are the one that will bring upon the punishment, that, Lord, that, that the warning has come. Lord, let them abide, let them understand and fall on their knees and repentance for what they have done and or what they have said to hold a people back, to hold an individual back from that which you have called them to do in the body of Christ and in ministry. Lord, let no door be closed that you have opened, that you have caused that leader to build up, and they reject one that is sent because of them recognizing that they have been they have been exposed. But Father God, I thank you and I praise you that your word of God comes in also as comfort, that we exhort and we edify. But Lord, that we give you glory, we give you honor on this lesson on today. In Jesus' name I pray. Men and women of God, this has been Apostle Dr. Danette Bershea, Treasures of the Heart International Ministries here in North Carolina. And this is the Church of God in Christ International Sunday School Department lesson for the state of North Carolina. And we have done our diligence for the youth department in the junior division and, Lord, for the adults. But, Lord, that there will be no tolerance at North Carolina and every other, in every other jurisdiction and also any other reformation that's understand Christians at large, that there should be no tolerance for corrupt leaders and prophets. The time is now that you shall turn and that you shall now confront the evil doings and the wrongdoings. I'll see you till next time. If you want to listen to this lesson, men and women of God, you can go to my site at www.treasuresoftheheartkojic.com or org. You can also uh, go to SoundCloud, and it will be there. And you also know on Facebook, it is there as well under facebook.com forward slash Treasures of the Heart Kojic, and it will be there as well. Many of you know me. You'll be able to see it. But, again, if you go to my site, you'll be able to download this message. But also, men and women of God, you can call back and replay this message at 530-881-1355. I'm sorry. That's 530-881-1399. And there is an audio key. And that is pound nine seven five nine pound. But from my understanding, after you you uh, call the playback number of five three zero eight eight one one three nine nine, 
enter the participant code of 196936, and you can be directed to where it is you need to go on playback, and I will make this enabled so you'll be able to download it. If you have any questions, you can always reach me at 910-286-9436. And for those of you out of state that are in California, you can reach me on on my California number at 209-430-2500. You can email me at treasuresoftheheartministries at yahoo.com, or you can personally send me an email at apostledmv at gmail.com. Again, I love you, everybody. I thank you for being on this call. Church of God and Christ International Sunday School Department is on the move with power and with authority in the Holy Ghost. So teach men and women of God, and we want to, so we can win lost souls for Christ. And if you don't remember anything else, all you need to remember is those five steps to the Romans' road of salvation. Step one is all have sinned. Step two is there is a penalty for sin. Step three is God's provision for sinners. And and step four is how to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. But knowing that in step five, we just want to sing the sinner's prayer. It moves along really quick. It is a Romans roadmap to salvation. Learn it and we'll win lost souls for Christ anywhere we are. takes less than five minutes to do so. Again, we thank you for those that are on the line. In Jesus' name we pray. Until next week, again, 6 o'clock is the new time that we are holding these calls so we can accommodate others, but also my schedule as well. To God be the glory. God bless. Good night, everybody.